And so we'll be reading Colossians 3, 20 to 21, which is found on page 955 of your pew Bibles. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Well, parenting and uh, raising children is big business. Uh, A quick Google search uh, will show you countless books, seminars, tips on how to raise the best, most successful, happy child. And it's big business because it's hard work. No one really knows what they're doing. It's so hard. And so we need all the help we can get. But when you do those searches, you'll never find God's perspective among those scores and scores of books. Well, these many books that are out there are are helpful. I I speak uh, as one who has read some. Uh, I think we are missing out if we only turn to them and we only read them and not God's word. You see, our passage uh, this morning, while short, is really helpful for us to seek to raise Christ-like children. But I wonder if you're thinking, sweet, I can switch off. I can check out, um, I can catch up on the rest I missed last night, count the bricks, check the scores, check social media, because I'm an adult and I'm not married. I have no kids. Well, actually, we are all children, and we remain the child of our parents. And the way that you were parented actually has, ra- has shaped you. Uh, the way your parents raised you has shaped you, whether good or bad. And so reflecting on this is actually helpful for us all, regardless of of our age. And we are still to honour our parents. And because we are the body of Christ, that is a family of believers, uh, this passage is actually helpful for all of us. You might not get to take that cute and cuddly baby home, or the screaming child home either, but, but you can certainly encourage parents. You can ask them specifically, how are they going? Raising their, their children in the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Raising their children to be Christ-like disciples. I know I'd be encouraged if you asked me about those things because it's hard work. It really is. And so I, I need your encouragement and support. And when we come to a topic like this, I'm aware that it can be really difficult for some of us. Uh, We might be single and would love to be married and have children one day. And so a passage like this can be difficult. Or we are married and, and, and despite trying for a long time, haven't been able to fall pregnant. And so a passage about parenting and and children can be really difficult. And and I want to acknowledge that that pain and, and hurt that is there and to mourn with you in this great difficulty. I've, I've prayed this week, uh, as I've prepared, that despite that hardship, that, that you would be still greatly encouraged this morning and that you would be a wonderful blessing to the family of Christ. Well, as a church, this term we've been reading through the book of Colossians. And what we've seen, particularly from the second half of, of the book, uh, in particular, is that in Christ we have it all. We are not missing anything. We are full in Christ. What is his is ours. We have died with Christ. We have been raised with Christ. And because of that, we are setting our hearts and our minds on the things that are above. 
because that is where we are seated with Christ in the heavens. And part of that is that we remove our clothes of death the way we used to live and instead of replace it with the clothes of Christ. And we do that. We practice that in the context of relationships. A couple of weeks ago, we saw that how we do that in the context of, of the church. Uh, last week and this week in the context of the home. Uh, next week, we'll see how we do that in the context of work. But as Paul raises children and parenting in the church, we need to understand that the times were very different than when he first wrote them. I read last week in preparation that a father could do whatever he wanted to his children. He could imprison or sell them if he so wished. He could even kill them without trial or accusation. Children were the property, their property, to be used however they liked. And while that example so so extreme can make us cringe, I reckon things have swung the other way to the total opposite extreme where children are treated like royalty. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, whatever makes the children happy. Uh, Just like this guy, Jeremy Heaton is his name. Uh, This guy here, he... uh, he bought some land in Africa. I've got a, I've got a the picture there. Anyway, that's a parcel of land that he, he purchased. And he did it so that he could make his daughter a princess, an actual princess. He said, I wanted to show my kids that I will literally go to the ends of the earth to make their wishes and dreams come true. Now, while those two examples are very extreme, uh, I think there are aspects of the way that we can parent or have been parented that is quite similar to these. And so I think that Paul's words here, uh, God's word to us here, uh, are timeless truths that will help us as we seek to seek the things that are above and to live Christ-like lives. Well, parents, let me ask you, what do you want from your children? What do you want from your children? And of course you want sleep. I want them to sleep. I want them to sleep. But seriously, what, what, do, you, what do you want uh, for your children? Because how we answer this question will be the things that we encourage them in. They will be the things that we praise them, the things that we push them in. And so do you want your children to be happy? Successful, rich, smart, athletic. Do you want your children to look after you when you are older? To get good results? To live the life that you weren't able to live? Is that what you want for your children? Or do you want your children to live for Christ? All the days of their life. To be godly, wise, holy. Do you want to raise Christ-like disciples? And while we might say we want to raise Christ-like disciples, let me ask, what is it that you will praise your children for? Do you, do you praise them when they win some award? Or for when they have the courage to speak of Christ to a friend? Do you encourage your child when they kick a goal at the footy? Or when they apologise to you for lying? 
You see, parents, what we want for our children will be how we respond to them and encourage them. And if we honestly reflect on this, we will see what we really want for our children. Parents, our goal is not to raise middle-class Christians who are healthy, wealthy and wise, but with God's help to raise Christ-like disciples. But how do we do it? How do we raise Christ-like disciples? Well, in Colossians we see the negative uh, in the corresponding passage in Ephesians, we, we see the positive. And I've got it up on the screen there. Uh, it says this, Fathers, do not exacerbate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Parents, we are to raise children uh, to be Christ-like disciples by training and instructing them in the ways of the Lord. And while that will be the formal things that we do, like reading the Bible and praying with them around the breakfast table or dinner table or just before they go to bed. And if you're not doing this, let me encourage you to start doing this. It's, it's, it's how we can instruct and train our children in the ways of the Lord. Uh, one, a story that one of you guys shared with me a few years ago, it still greatly encourages me to this day, uh, is that a father who told their son, uh, if you don't start reading the Bible now every day, you never will. And that was to a seven-year-old. And this guy continues to read the Bible every day because of his father's uh, great wisdom. What a great father. I, I'm just so encouraged by this guy who really sought to raise his children in the knowledge and fear of the Lord, who sought to instruct his kids. While these formal times are, are really important, let me encourage you to, to make time to do that. Uh, it's the informal times, though, that are just as important. Uh, when kids raise their questions and concerns. Uh, Deuteronomy is really, really helpful here. Uh, God's people, they, they are about to enter the promised land and God reminds them to stick with his word, to stick with his commands. Uh, and he says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We are to talk about God and his word, his instruction uh, at all the time, at all places. And so for us today, that'll be talking about God and, and his word in, in all different places and contexts. Or on, the way, on the way to school, as you, as you climb a mountain, as you shop for food, as you go for a drive, as you watch television. Speak of God and his goodness in all situations, giving God's perspective on different things. And show them how God relates to everything. And sure, it'll, it'll look different for a three-year-old as, as it will to a 10-year-old, to a 15-year-old, but we are to instruct our children in the way of the Lord. And we are to do it in all different times and situations, in the morning, in the evening, as we walk along the way, both formally and informally. And we can't farm out our responsibility. And we can't pay someone else to teach our children, whether it is the school or, or the church. Parents, we are responsible to raise our children to be Christ-like disciples. 
the thing is, they'll copy us anyway, which is quite a scary thought, that they will do what we do. And so we need to be intentional in demonstrating in our word and action what is important in keeping with God and his word. Because here's the thing. Kids are learning stuff. They are constantly learning stuff, whether from the, from the television, from their friends, from, from school, from their neighbours. And so we must be intentional in teaching God and his word to counter what they're learning elsewhere. And whether that is with, with marriage or violence or sex, we need to have intentional conversations about these things. And while sex and marriage are the issues of our day, we can't leave things unsaid. We can't be like our parents who may not have ever spoken to us about these things. We actually need to be proactive and and talk about these things because we can't leave the the training and instruction of these really really important topics to, to the schoolyard or sex ed. Because if we leave out God's view, well, the kids, our kids will just learn the world's view. And while we might be shaking in our boots, terrified by the prospect of talking about sex with our children, about speaking about the dangers and, and awfulness of pornography, there are some great resources out there that can help us. I like these, these books. I've got a, a picture of it up here. There are these books called Bird and Bees by the book. Patricia Wirakoon, who's a sexologist, she's written these great books uh, for, for children. And they are excellent in raising these issues. Pornography, uh, body image. Uh, there's, I think, six, six, six or eight, six, six books. They're excellent. They, they help address some of these things. They won't do everything, but, but they are a really great start. Let me encourage you uh, in in those. In the book of Proverbs, (coughs) reminds us about our role in training our children. Again, I've got it up on the screen. Uh, Start children off on the way they should go, or better still, train them in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. We can read that and feel hope or guilt. Hope because as parents we can influence our children's future. We can shape their path. But it can also make us feel great guilt because we may not have done this well. Our children have gone the other way. But see, this is where we need to remember what Proverbs is. Proverbs isn't a list of God's promises, like God promises that reminds us that Jesus will come again. That is a promise. Proverbs is God's wisdom for the world. It shows us how life normally plays out, not how it always plays out. And so while we we may feel guilty, there are heaps of examples in the scriptures that attest to the opposite happening. Like Adam, who who was quite foolish and yet produced a righteous Abel. And King Saul and his folly who produced a righteous Jonathan. Or the godly Josiah, Hezekiah, born from wicked, wicked fathers. And so the opposite can happen too. And yet God's wisdom for parents is to... (coughs) 
uh, is to teach them in the way they should go, so that when they're old, they won't turn from them. Well, as parents, we do play a part in in shaping and moulding our children. And we do that by teaching and and instructing them in the ways of the Lord. But we also need to discipline them. We shape our children through discipline. Uh, Emily uh, has this story that I checked with her first and she's okay that I I share this uh, with you. Uh, When she was six years old, she sat on this battery-operated jumping dog thing. I've got a toy there. It's kind of a, a flips, kind of this dog thing. Anyway, jump, anyway, she sat on it, and so, as expected, it broke uh, as, as it would. And her, when her parents found out, they were fuming. They were outraged. And they asked, how did it break? And Emily, well, she lied. She said, oh, it wasn't me. But then when Emily finally told them the truth, they scolded her for lying, don't you ever lie again. And whether or not that was the best approach by her parents and whether it was that one isolated incident that that really shaped her, this event really did shape her. And still to this day, Emily finds it really difficult to lie. She, She can't lie. See, the discipline has shaped her. And we see the same thing in the book of Proverbs. I've got a couple of examples here. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their ch- children is careful to discipline them. And again, another one, uh, Proverbs twenty nine fifteen: A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. And the wisdom here is if we allow our children to feel a small amount of pain, a relevant consequence, a a removal of a toy, an early bedtime, then they will avoid the big pains in life. You see, if we want our kids to keep their word on the little things in the here and now, when they get older, they'll be able to keep their word on the big things like marriage and work. You see, as we discipline our children now, it will help shape them for the years to come. And you see, we've got to follow God's example here. You see, God never disciplined before he taught them. He always taught his people before disciplining. We see it throughout the Old Testament. God again and again warns and teaches his people to turn back from his ways. And yet despite that, uh, well, they keep on rebelling and, and ignoring his word and so he disciplines them. And we need to do the same with our children. We need to teach them first before we discipline. And so we can't just say to a child, stop, don't do that ten times. Just say it again, don't, 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 stop, stop, whatever it is. And then when they continue, we just get angry because that's not discipline. That's just our own anger, frustration, rage coming forth as we discipline our kids. You see, we need to be clear with them. We need to to give them time, set a time, and then set a consequence and and follow through with it without emotion. And when we do that, well, we'll actually be seeking the good of our children rather than letting rage and anger rush out of us as we discipline our children. And look, this is hard work. I speak for myself, it is hard. I fail at this all the time. 
And I reckon that's why we get what we see in verse 21. Have a look there. That's why we're commanded. This is a command. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. And I reckon fathers are singled out here because I reckon God knew that when he gave these commands to to fathers and, and husbands from last week, they would be tempted to misuse and abuse their role. And so they are singled out. And so fathers, don't embitter, don't provoke, don't exasperate, don't narrate don't your children. And although I would think it should go the other way around, children, don't, don't provoke your parents. I feel like they provoke me at times. That, that is not what we see here. It is fathers. Don't provoke, don't embitter your children. And there are so many ways that we can provoke and embitter our kids so that they become discouraged. Uh, and, I, and I found a, a pretty helpful list uh, this week um, of, of all the different ways that we can, we can do that. And so let me, let me share them with you. What are the different ways that we can embitter, provoke our children? Well, constantly making and breaking promises. Because our Father in heaven is nothing like that. Giving crushing discipline when the punishment is so extreme compared to the crime. Being inconsistent. You know, when you keep on changing the rules day after day or always moving the goalposts of what's required of of someone. Punishing when there is no evidence. Disciplining out of anger. I, I speak for myself here, letting, letting my emotions drive my discipline rather than being calm and patient. Continuously nagging our children. If we nag them about everything, then they will think that cleaning up their toys is the same as lying. Never embarrass your children in front of their friends or, uh, or yours. Um, uh, and of course, this, this is age dependent, of course. Uh, you know, if your children are embarrassed about being kissed in public or baby stories, keep it at home. Not spending time with them. I've been reading this book kind of in preparation for today and it's been really, really helpful actually. But the big challenge he had is, is this, not spending enough time with your children. We've got to learn to play with our kids and have fun with our, with our children on their level. Uh, being one thing at home and another elsewhere. You see, God hates hypocrites and so do our kids. Uh, they see through it anyway. Asking the impossible, that is where we expect a three-year-old to act like a 15-year-old, we need to learn what to expect uh, from our children. We might need help uh, to do that. The parenting book can be helpful in that regard. Showing favouritism. Look, all kids think that they're the favourite or that the other's the favourite and they'll always ask, who's the favourite? Show me who's the favourite. But I think this is a very clear way of, of, of embittering your children. We must not have favourites. And finally, nothing embitters, provokes our children more than a parent who won't apologise for doing the wrong thing. You see, we've got to model apologising and seeking 
forgiveness and, and repenting from our children. You see, they will learn selfishness and self-centeredness enough in the world. We need to teach them a model repentance, forgiveness and humility. Parents, to raise Christ-like disciples, we've got to be intentional. Intentional in, in training and instructing them in God and his word and disciplining along the way. But of course, not taking it too far and embittering and discouraging them. Well, having spoken to, to parents, let me spend a, uh, just a, a sh- nowhere near as much time on, on children. Just a short time on, on kids. Have a look there at verse 20. Uh, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Children, we are to obey our parents in everything, because this pleases God. It pleases God when we obey our parents. He wants us to obey them. And our parents usually usually have our best interests in, in, in mind. Like Luke 11, you know, you know where Jesus speaks about what parent would give their child a snake when asked for a fish or a scorpion when asked for an egg? No, no, parents usually want the best for their children and so we are to obey them. And of course that doesn't mean we obey them at all costs. If they're asking us to, to sin, then of course we don't do it. You know, like kill that dude because they don't like him. No, 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 of course you don't kill the dude. Like, you know, our allegiance is to God and and his word first. But see, part of that is that we must obey our parents in everything. And you see, when we push back and oppose our parents, whether in our our minds, in our hearts, our actions, look, it's all the same thing. We are disobeying God. It does not please him. We are in sin. And obeying in everything, means that we obey even when we think they are wrong or unfair. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, fair or unfair. We are to obey. And the reason we do it is because of Jesus. There was this time when he was 12 years old. We we read this in Luke chapter 2. And his family made the yearly trek from Jerusalem uh, sorry, from, uh, from home down to Jerusalem uh, for the Passover each, each, uh, each year. And it was a five-day walk, massive, massive walk. And when it was time to leave, uh, Mary and Joseph, they forgot Jesus. And they left without him. And after a full day's walk from Jerusalem, they realised that Jesus wasn't with them. And so they returned another full-day walk back. And after three days, after first leaving him in Jerusalem, will they find Jesus in the temple. And his parents, well, I'm sure full of emotion and concern and rage, they blast him. He says, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. You see, here's the thing about this story. His parents were pretty irresponsible. They're the ones who left him. They forgot Jesus. They left him. They left him behind. And yet Jesus, he doesn't push back. He doesn't say that's not unfair, it's your fault. No, 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 he goes with them and he is obedient to them. 
You see, Jesus obeys despite of being unfair and wrong because he has a higher calling. He was to always obey his parents and honour them. And so later, as he hung on the cross for, for your sin and mine, he was the only one able, because he was the one who kept the law perfectly, who died in our place. You see, he died for the times that we did not obey our parents, for all the times that we dishonoured them, failed to care for them, lied and cheated them. You see, Jesus lived the perfect, obedient life so that we could be saved and called his children. And so because Jesus obeyed his parents perfectly, we are to do the same. We should want to obey our parents and respect them. And look, that will look different if you're 5 or 40, uh, but we are still to respect and honour our parents. And look, it'll be different if you're married. We leave our families, we leave our parents and are united with our new uh, husband or, or wife. And so our commitment changes. Our commitment to our parents, well, it changes. Our commitment to God, then our spouse, then our children. And, and these are to come before our parents, before we were married. And so we have started a new family. We have left that family and started a new family. Our commitment has changed. And yet despite that, we are still to honour our parents, even if we're not to obey them like we once did. Well, looking, looking at parenting and being a child, is, it's pretty easy to look at the failures that we have done as, as parents and, and children. Uh, certainly I think of myself as a, a failed parent in lots of different ways, as, as selfish, sinful, angry, emotional. And yet despite that, we are works in progress. That's what we've been seeing in Colossians. We are works in progress as God continues to make us more and more Christ-like. And so as God continues to work in us to bring us more and more like him, we rely on God's mercy and grace because he is the one who is helping us take off our old clothes of death and to put on Christ in our different relationships, in our households, in, 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 as a church uh, and at workplaces. And so let's pray now uh, for God and his help uh, in this. Let's pray. <coughs> Father God Almighty, we give you great thanks uh, for your word, this great challenging and confronting passage really. We are so grateful for your mercy and kindness and grace to us that you are slowly making us more and more like Christ. We do pray that you would help us. Help us who are parents. Help us who aren't parents to encourage parents to be intentional in how we uh, teach and, and raise our children in the fear of you that we may be intentionally raising children to be Christ-like disciples. Father, help us play the long game and not seek instant change, uh, but to lovingly, uh, patiently love our children and to not embitter and discourage them, that they may be disciplined in love and not in anger. 
Father, this is hard work, and we do pray that you'll be continuing to work in each of us as we encourage uh, encourage parents to, to, to live for you and to raise children in the knowledge and fear of you. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.